Dear Christian friends, as Christians, it's perfectly natural for us to assume that we all share the same desire that God has, to see as many souls as possible in heaven. So we recognize that the many people who don't know their Savior Jesus without faith in him that that he has placed in our lives are people that we ardently pray for, for the Lord to bring to faith. We have spiritual conversations with others, pointing them whenever possible to to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, their hope for forgiveness and salvation. We invite others to join us for worship or to Bible study or our small group, whatever it might be, in the hopes that, of course, through those efforts, God might bring them to faith and name them among his saints. Have you ever considered... However, that possibly one of the biggest hindrances, the biggest roadblocks to God doing his work in the heart and life of someone else might be you. I know that kind of jars us to consider that very reality, but when you think right now of that forgiveness that you continue to insist on withholding from somebody else, Have you ever stopped to think that that withholding of forgiveness may very well be the one thing that God needs to eliminate to get rid of, to do the work in the heart and life of another individual that he desires to do? Wasn't that the the, the point that Jesus was making in the gospel for today when he told the parable of the unmerciful servant to point out how serious forgiveness is and how dangerous withholding forgiveness is when we are, are more like the unmerciful servant refusing to forgive a a trivial, a small thing, instead of like the gracious king who canceled the entire debt. Think of the, the damage that is done in our refusing to forgive others. How is it that people are actually ever going to see that church is forgiving? And really think about what is lost when we withhold that forgiveness, when we bear a grudge, when we refuse to apply and lavish forgiveness on others. The only thing that really is happening is that we are missing out on the powerful blessings that God bestows, not only in their lives, but ours as well, when we actually do forgive one another. So instead of continuing to reel in in anger and frustration and discouragement or the other individual who is maybe weighed down by, by guilt or anxiety or whatever it might be as a result of their sin. The sooner we get to forgiveness, the sooner God's grace can provide restoration and healing and reconciliation. So really, we're robbing ourselves and the other individual of all of those blessings the longer we hold off on applying Forgiveness either to ourselves or to others who need it. And I think when we talk about this, this challenge of forgiving others, there are two, two reasons mainly that come to mind. But before I, I point out those two reasons, I want us to keep in mind something very important. And that is, who is really pulling the strings? Who is behind anything that would keep forgiveness from being administered or applied to, to your life? or somebody else's. We have to recognize that it is our our bitter, vengeful enemy, Satan. 
And, and he delights and, and is very good, very, very successful at keeping forgiveness out of the picture. And he's happy to do whatever it takes, whatever method or approach that keeps forgiveness out of the picture because he knows how powerful it is. He knows how transformative God's grace and forgiveness in Christ Jesus truly are, truly how life-changing it is. So he is fine if one Christian refuses to forgive another. He is fine for the individual that, that is so arrogant that he or she thinks they don't need forgiveness. He is fine anytime somebody is so weighed down by the burden of their sin that they can't possibly believe there would be enough grace or forgiveness to cover it. So keep that in mind when we are inclined to withhold forgiveness from somebody else. The only person, the only one who wins in that scenario is Satan. So let's be quick to forgive and not give Satan that victory anytime forgiveness is missing out in the equation. So now to those, those two reasons that we really struggle when it comes to forgiving others. One we really kind of touched on last Sunday. As much as churches for each other, we know how hard and challenging those conversations are when sin takes place between brothers and sisters in Christ. And we know how uncomfortable that confrontation can be and that conflict in our minds. And so we sometimes forget that, that the end goal is not that confrontation or that conflict with someone else. No, the, the end goal is forgiveness. But in order to get to forgiveness, we have to get through that troubled talk or that difficult, challenging conversation. But we allow these little fears in our mind to, to build up and to construct such an imposing monster out of conflict that it is to be avoided at all costs. And meanwhile, forgiveness is on the other side, always just out of reach. So that's one of the, the reasons that we struggle to forgive. The other reason, this might be a little more difficult for us to, to grasp or believe, but we simply don't want to. We don't want to forgive others. Now, when you realize that we as the church, as believers in Christ, are called to do really the, the two things that in my mind stand above everything else, we're called to love others and to forgive others, and the two are, are very much related, but aren't those also two of the, the biggest struggles that we have in the church as Christians, to love others and to forgive others? others. And think of how absurd that is, really, that the very foundation of, of the church, forgiveness, is the thing with which we struggle the very most to apply, to forgive others. So why is it that we hold off? Why is it such a struggle? Why don't we want to forgive others? Well, part of it is we have such a distorted view of of sin. We know that, that God views all sin as missing the mark. Any one sin is as damnable as another and deserving of hell as any other. Though we like to categorize them or qualify some as better or worse than others, God says anyone that misses the mark of perfection is, is deserving of separation from me forever. But that's not that's not the view that we take, is it? We have a distorted view and, and any way you cut it Basically, we could summarize our view of sin like this. Yours is worse than mine. 
Now, let me just point out that if in hearing that, in hearing me say that, that your sin is worse than mine, that that's my view and that's the same view you share, if immediately in your head you had this response, sorry, but I just don't see it that way. Well, I hate to break it to you, but you just proved my point. You prove the point that that is exactly our view of sin because in refusing to acknowledge that you see other people's sins as less or, or I'm sorry, as, as more significant or more harmful or, or somehow more deserving of God's wrath than your own, you are acknowledging how absurd and how uncalled for and how out of line it would be for anybody to take such a view of sin. And what you're saying in refusing to admit that you think that way is that's such a bad sin, that's such a a wrong way of thinking that I would never think that way. Only the really really bad sinners have that view that other people's sins are worse than, than mine. Not the good sinners like me. But the thing is, until we recognize that that is exactly the view that we have of sin, that yours is worse than mine, We're never going to be able to get to this point of being able to forgive others. Because it's once we acknowledge that we have that view that your sin is worse than mine, then I understand where my reluctance to forgive somebody else comes from. Because only if I have this idea that I am somehow morally superior to you, that that my good sins aren't as bad as your bad sins, only then do I feel justified in playing the role of arbiter who determines well, you just don't really deserve forgiveness for that sin the way that I do for my sin. And so as, as the CEO of, of Morally Superior Incorporated, we justify our refusal to forgive others. So that distorted view of sin that we have and when we compare ours to others is one of the reasons that, that we refuse to forgive. Another and this is maybe not any easier for us to deal with, but another reason we refuse to forgive is we simply like to be angry. We prefer to be, to be mad. And if I forgive somebody else, then that means that I have to give up my, my right to be mad or angry at their sin. And, and here's how we cloak it to make it sound a little bit nicer or not so bad. We call it a righteous anger. Well, it's okay for me to be angry about somebody else's sin. It's a righteous anger. But Scripture doesn't give you or me permission to have any sort of righteous anger. That's, that's God's business. When the Bible talks about righteous anger, it's talking about God being the one who has every right to, to have some sense of righteous anger, not you and not me. And do you think that, that Paul was just missing the mark when he wrote to the Ephesians in our, our verses for today that he warned them and he said in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Do you think he was missing the mark? Said, oh, why would you tell believers that? They don't need to be told to get rid of those things. Those aren't an issue for them. Paul knew from experience how troublesome, how dangerous those emotions were when they let let sinful actions be justified in his own mind. It was rage, it was anger, it was a righteous anger in his mind that led Saul, that we know as Paul, to persecute, to seek to destroy the Christian church before he was converted into one of the very believers he was trying to bust. And we know that anger too, don't we? We know how we are emotionally charged, and and the sad thing is that 
that we see in our culture today and we see in ourselves that, that we actually enjoy it. We prefer it. We like to be angry. And sin just gives us another, in our minds, justified reason to be angry. And in that regard, the very thing that, that Paul is warning us against is the emotion that we crave. It's, it's that we are drawn to. And so we're, we're constantly spinning our heads, looking around, who can irritate me next? Where can I go to have my buttons pushed? What is going to set me off and fill me with what I know is going to be rage? So we're like this addict who is looking for his next fix, something that's going to set me off to make me angry. And boy, if I have a distorted view of sin, then other people's sin sure gets me angry, doesn't it? And that's why I, I refuse to, to forgive it, because I don't want to give up my right to be angry. And yet as as troublesome or challenging as, as that is, it's not even the, the biggest reason that we are slow to forgive or that we want to cling on to, to resentment or justify our refusal to forgive. No, in fact, we've really only kind of scratched the surface, haven't we, as far as the, the, the whole reasons that we give for not forgiving others. In fact, I am pretty convinced that I could put together a, a whole sermon series that would focus just on the topic of what experts we are at withholding forgiveness from others. But again, those aren't the biggest reasons. We haven't even touched on the biggest reason. The biggest reason that we struggle to forgive others is because we still fail to grasp the degree of God's forgiveness to each of us in Christ Jesus. That when we talk about this sense of righteous anger, when we talk about being troubled or angered or frustrated by, by sin, there is really only one who has the right to feel that way about sin because he is without it himself. And there is only one who has the right to actually withhold sin, and yet this one... God hasn't, won't, ever. He will never withhold forgiveness for any sin from anyone, but in each and every case is always willing to forgive. So for each and every time that you and I fail to forgive someone else, God responds the same way. He forgives. When you and I either fail to, to think or acknowledge that, that we need forgiveness, still, he responds the same way. He forgives. When we are, are troubled by someone else's sin that is so scandalous, so sickening, so stomach-churning, God responds the same way. He forgives. And in that regard... God is not very complicated, is he? In fact, you can plug in any sin into that formula and the solution, the result is always going to be the same. It doesn't matter the sin. The solution is always forgiveness each and every time. No matter what it is that, that I've done, that I will do, that, that, that my past has troubled me, he responds and says, forgiven. No matter what sin it is that, that troubles you, that you have committed in the past, that you'll still commit in the future, forgiven. And then you, you and I, who have been forgiven, Jesus calls 
to go and forgive others the same way. If you think about it, is there any greater way than we can carry out what what Paul encourages us to do when you think of speaking only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen? Is there any better way to do that than forgiveness? Think of of what has left a lasting impact on you in the past. My guess is it probably has not been the time that, that you committed what you felt was a rather trivial, rather easily forgivable sin when somebody said you're forgiven. But think to a time where you knew you did something and you got busted for something that was big. And your mind terrified you and you knew there were going to be consequences and significant punishment. But instead of, of giving you what you deserve, somebody at some point forgave you. Which of those had the greater impact on you? Were you expected to receive forgiveness for your small insignificant sin? Or were you expected to receive punishment and consequence for your sin, but, but somebody responded with forgiveness? Jesus made the same point in his parable of the unmerciful servant. To leave that impact with us, to lavish forgiveness upon others the way that the king did, not the way that the unmerciful servant withheld it. Because only that kind of radical forgiveness is going to bring about the change that we desire to see in ourselves and in others in this world. So rather than buying into this lie or this thought that I will forgive someone else when they shape up and when they deserve it, when they act like they have it coming to them, no, realize we forgive first and that's what changes the behavior just as it has in our lives and continues to. God didn't look at you and me and say, when you shape up, then I will forgive you. He said, I've seen who you are. And look at the cross. I still forgive you. And that changes the way that we think and speak and act toward one another. Indeed, in fact, that's exactly what Paul is encouraging us to do when he says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children And walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Imagine the impact that that you and I could have on the world. A world that is so wrapped up in bitterness and rage and ingratitude and grudges. To see that that if they really found out what we were all about because we lived it and we put it into practice, I wonder if if they would be pounding down at at our doors at, at such a rate that we would struggle to care for all of those who would be coming toward us because it would be so evident to them that church is forgiving. Paul encourages us, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Tell me who wouldn't want to be a part of that community. Tell me where that kindness and compassion comes from. Tell me where the love that we are to walk in comes from that that Paul and, and the Lord calls us to. It comes from knowing how forgiven we are in Christ. 
that he holds no sin against us. So what does it look like then when, when we walk in that love, when we are kind and compassionate? It looks like forgiveness. Amen.